You're tuning in to Quok Talk. I'm Crystal here, and at this hour of talk, we have somebody who's actually oh, one of our own peeps here. And unfortunately, he's leaving back to California on Tuesday. We're so sad. And so that's why we're going to try to take advantage of this moment to talk talk story with our one and only DJ Black Soap, Eric Chu Carter, or Eric Carter Chu, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you know. What's up, everyone? Yeah, it's funny to be on the other side again, huh? Yeah, totally. It's weird. <laughs> it's good. You know, it gives us a chance to resituate our framing and our perspective, right? It does, it does feel nice. Yeah. Like a guest. Good. In, in the studio. Even though you're going to be playing your own music, <laughs> you're yeah, still doing yeah. it. So if people know uh, DJ Black Soap and his amazing music, I'm bringing him here today on behalf of him as a cultural embodiment of what we want to address today. Uh, literally because we are wanting to address, uh, you know, in light of the Black Lives Matter movement that erupted last year already and uh, the more recent troubling anti-Asian violence against women, I wanted to speak to that and make sense of how things are. And um, Eric, I know the last time you came on, we talked a little bit about your your family. And just for people who missed that one, as I remember, your father is from Mississippi. Right. And your mom is Chinese. Right. But grew up in the States, so very American. Yeah, so my father's uh, black and grew up in Mississippi, and my mother's Chinese from Hong Kong. And they both met in Los Angeles in the 1970s, and eventually I became product of that my brothers and I but um but yeah growing up Afro-Asian um and kind of unpacking everything that that's been (laughs) recently but then with everything happening recently in our in our country I've noticed like it's extremely visceral for me to be feeling so much you know pain and trauma because of both experiences right now and um yeah so I I I wanted to come on today and just kind of lend my perspective, not necessarily as any sort of an expert, just as someone that is Afro-Asian that feels like they are kind of in the intersection in this whole situation. It's almost like a sense of double jeopardy right now. <laughs> so, It's interesting. Um, so a lot of people have been acknowledging the fact or, or recognizing that a lot of times the black community and Asian community are almost pitted against each other in these times, but should really be focusing more on the root of the situation and how it all started. You know, where where do these evils stem from or what is what are the cracks in our structure that have opened up these opportunities to f- make us feel like we need to pit against each other? I think whenever we're discussing race in America, it's it's so complex and and yet, in, in some ways, it's like it should be simple. Like, it should be simple in the sense that we are all human, we're all equal. It should be that simple, but it's not. And I think, you know, when you, when you mention the roots of things, it's like we have to understand race is a social construct, and race is only real because we make it real. And that doesn't mean that we can say we should live in a colorblind society, but it means that we have to acknowledge that whenever there's race problems happening we have to go to the root which i think i think stems from you know history history of white supremacy in the united states for sure and um and it is troubling when you start seeing you know all these things happening not just to blacks but also to asians and then you start recognizing a division between both groups and i think when that happens there's a lack of 
collective understanding of our experiences in this country as immigrants. Yeah, but why do you think people are not coming? I mean, right now I see a surge, or maybe because my ears are pricked out for these um, these voices, but the rise in Asian Americans voicing their opinions on the lack of representation or the misrepresentation uh, of women specifically of being sexualized objects, for example. But why is it that there is not much narrative on, on addressing this whole white supremacist route that we all seem to recognize like why are we not really tackling that one i i I wish i could answer that question and i i mean i feel like for me i i recognize that but i don't know i can't speak for other folks in terms of why that's not being you know prioritized as the issue um as you know and i think that i think that part of that is resulting from the very different experiences that blacks and asians have had in this country um, and I think that, you know, one of the, you know, it's like I said, it's incredibly complex and, and in some ways problematic because to try to have a sort of um, generalized, you know, idea about why we're not having this conversation about white supremacy. I think that it's because in reality, a lot of folks have benefited from white supremacy. Nobody wants to rock the boat, right? Right. So, you know, and, and that's the complicated thing about, you know, being Asian in this country, you know, because I think. You know, as 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 the documentary that you, you you've been working on suggests, it's like you know, Asians or Chinese in, in, in your family circumstance have often been sort of a wedge between you know blacks and whites, and so there's times where they have benefits, and there's times where or when when we have benefits and we benefited from um, from you know not I wouldn't say necessarily just benefiting from white supremacy but benefiting from oppressing blacks right in terms mm. of like like when you meant like in the in the documentary where they talk about where people were sitting on the bus yeah even that right, right? and it's like it's interesting that you know for a lot of Asians they've been able to identify with or assimilate in some ways with this identity of whiteness yeah you know and and not colored it's it's really interesting and yet you know when we think about it Asian people, I would I would say, have more in common with other immigrants in this country than white folks. Yeah, but then again, you know, this this whole problematic term of the model minority myth right. that we've been hearing more of recently is also addressing that. And honestly, while I was doing this documentary and in light of all these things that are happening now, I never really understood how this was. And that's how how Chinese played into it. Mm-hmm. And, and and by playing into uh, siding with the whites, if you have to kind of really spill it out on a, on a color line, um, oversimplifying it, of course, is that it, it plays that it says that we're complicit in this racial narrative against um, black. And that's why that's where the the that's where the discord comes. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like is correct me if I'm wrong, but do. Do you think the black community feel that and they sense that and they believe that complicity and so therefore they're angry and so when when events like this recent attack against Asians comes in this violence against them is it a pent up kind of anger against the whole people I've been trying to unpack that myself because I you know and and as we mentioned um, as we talked about earlier you know whenever these crimes happen I I'm I'm, I feel so much pain because on the one hand I'm like oh someone was attacked based on based on their race and and oftentimes it's someone that's elderly which is also a whole nother layer yeah. um, but then you know I'm often reading the you know the news articles or looking at the news to find out who the perpetrator was and 
you know, and, and uh, to be honest, a lot of times I'm like praying, like, please don't, don't be, be black. Please don't be black. Because when that happens, you know, I recognize two victims. Yeah. Right. It's like obviously the victim that's been injured. But then I also recognize, like, what is this person's mentality and perspective to be feeling like they want to go out and attack people? You know, and it's like there's I, I don't even have necessarily words for how to unpack it right now yeah. i'm i'm you know that's why i wanted to come and and yeah. hang out because i was like this is a really complicated circumstance yeah and you know you know i try to be solution oriented i think at the end of the day it, it, it does come down to unity and solidarity but you know like I, like i said in terms of the different experiences that Asians and blacks have had in this country i think it's been harder for us to get there when if we actually boil everything down we're actually really, we actually have a lot more similarities. Absolutely. And and I think the key, going back to your kind of constructive approach, is that we need to learn each other's histories. Mm-hmm. You know, so in my process of, of trying to construct my documentaries, I realized how much I didn't know about mm-hmm. um, black history and even Asian American history. And I still think that Asian American term is problematic, that right. we shouldn't do that, because it's really we're all so connected. In light of this recent anti-Asian um, violence against women, that is not just an American thing. This is connecting us to Asia and how Orientalism, that right. term, kind of gets coined because of the militarism and, and, and colonial bodies in Asian places that have brought these constructions, right? And then that gets re-represented in films, distorted in yeah. images that they want to put in. And, and there are just so many layers that we need to address that we seem to like to isolate. Right. It's. Can I just share, like, you know, last week I did do a, a talk on addressing the anti-Asian, and I had a few um, East-West scholar graduate students who were discussing this, and they were all of Asian descent. After I finished my show, I got a caller, but I was already off, off air. Mm. But he wanted to let me know, and I didn't get his name, but he wanted to let me know, or he... Th- Okay, I'm going to just say this on air. He thought that I didn't do my proper research, that I should have read deeper in and look at the newspapers and say, hey, it was just sex addiction. It had nothing to do with race. Like, he was trying to, again, push it back to that narrative and that I was wrong. I think, I mean, I think that's part of it, right? Like, let's not make it about race. Let's make it about, let's make it about his bad day. Yeah. But he was clearly targeting certain groups, right? And so... You know, I think that, and I, I guess, again, with everything that's happening, there's such a strong correlation. And then we can bring it back to the like the dialogue that our former president was, was putting out and how that started to increase this, you know, these instances of hate crimes against Asians. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, when are we going to take responsibility? Or, you know, not us, but when are, when are people going to take responsibility and recognize that these are hate crimes yeah. like in the, at, at the first place? And exactly. I think we're not willing to deal with you know the racial injustice in our society so it makes it very convenient for us to say oh no it was random he was just going out to shoot people at at these particular establishments you know knowing the the people that work there and we'll make it about his sex addiction addiction right yeah so you know i think that i'm trying to wrap my head around how we you know how we find a solution here. Yeah, you know? no, that's why we need to keep talking about it. And so, again, why don't we, um, you know, giving credit to K2H for offering us these voices and, and reminding people that it is Radiothon, Radiothon time to recognize the importance of space like this to 
give back. And universities. <laughs> yes. To, you know, this Radiothon, what are we doing? We're supporting K2H DJs, right? Right. Yeah. And the scholarship is a very new thing. And we hope that you are listening to this, appreciating me and Eric here talking about social issues that are deeply disturbing and, and revealing about our country. And if you do appreciate all that we offer at K2H, please call us and um, give a donation. 808-956-5288. Eric, give us a song, please, to oh. let us little... I, I, you know what? I have... Um, give me a second. Okay. Can... But, you know, like, what comes to your head in terms of, like, musical choices that reflect what we're talking about? Ooh, that... That's quite uh, challenging, but you probably have a lot of that in your head, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, let me. F I have this whole playlist that I created um, during the Black Lives Matter movement last summer because I was struggling with how to respond, and you know, I, I knew I was coming out here. I'm from LA, and I knew that I was going to be coming here to visit my mom, so it, it, it didn't feel right for me to go protest and potentially put myself at risk of uh, of of getting COVID when I knew I was going to go see my mother. So what I intended to do was make a make a mix. And oh. I've still been building this mix um, for, you know, ever since. And I, I feel like now um, I want to continue to, to build it. And, and maybe there's a, a space for talking about Black and Asian solidarity through music. Yes. Um, but there's actually one song that I've been playing for my students um, because we've been learning about the Black Panthers yeah. this, this last semester. And one of the things I really wanted to talk about was the women's role in, in the Black Panther movement. And um, so Common Sense made a track called A Song for Asada. And that's literally what my kids have been listening to every day when we start our, when we start our classes. Oh, cool. And so I'll, I'll play it for y'all. Please. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it's, it tells the story of, of her, you know, her. It, it tells her her narrative, basically what her autobiography is about. Um, but Common wraps it. So, if we can begin, sure. All right. This well, is Eric's playlist for Quack Talk. <laughs> Okay, while we're doing that. <laughs> See, Eric, this is what happens, because Eric's on the other side of the table now. <laughs> and then and then the buttons don't work the same way when you're looking at things from the other side of the table. Well, as he continues to um, arrange for songs, I'm going to remind everyone that we are listening to Radiothon Week, yes? And in, in supporting student DJs to stay involved with K2H and to help them stay in school. You have no idea. There are a lot of students out there who are struggling to make school payments. And this is just a little, little offer, a gesture to uh, support their being here. Yeah. So what, Eric? Oh, I'm just, we're ready. <laughs> but I also want to comment on how yeah, hot it is in the studio right now. Yeah, <laughs> we need the money to fix the air con. Yeah, I'm like, that's, that seems like the, the priority right now. So it's super hot in here. But we are going to get Well, you know, this. it's hot like this in Hong Kong. Right. I don't remember, you, you, you traveled. You yeah. were in Taiwan for like, you know, a year, right? Yeah, I was out there for a while. Yeah, so. yeah you should so. be used to this humidity. Yeah, I'm used to the humidity. <laughs> you remember when the walls drip right, in, right. In, in the spring? I so, mean, yeah, it's just added pressure when, we, when we're trying to do <laughs> Okay, blame it on play music. So. Yeah, <laughs> but we're good. Pressure. We're good. Okay then. Uh -huh. 
spirit of the Black Panthers and the spirit of Asada Shakur. We make this movement towards freedom for all those who have been oppressed and all those in the struggle. Yeah, yeah, check it. There were lights and sirens, gunshots fine. Cover your eyes as I describe a scene so violent. Seemed like a bad dream. She laid in the blood puddle. Blood bubbled in her chest. Cold air brushed against open flesh. No room to rest. Pain consumed these breaths. Shot twice with her hands up. Police questioned, but shot before she answered. One panther lost his life, the other ran for his. Scandalous the police were as they kicked and beat her. Comprehension, she was beyond trying to hold on to life. She thought she lived with no harm. That's what it felt like. Got to the hospital, eyes held tight. They moved the room to room, she could tell by the light. Handcuffed tight to the bed, through her skin they bit. With guns to her head, every word she got hit. Who shot the trooper, they asked her. Put the mace in her eyes, threatened to blast her. Her mind raced till things got still. Opened her eyes, realized she's next to her best friend who got killed. She got chills if they told her that's what she would be next. Hurt mixed with anger, survival was a reflex. They lied and denied visits from a lawyer. But she was building as they tried to destroy her. If it wasn't for this German nurse, they would have served the worst. I read the sister's story, knew that it deserved a verse. I wonder what would happen if that would have been me. All of this just so we could be free, so dig it, y'all. of a prison with all males and the smell of misery seedless toilets and centipedes she exercised paint and began to read two years in a hole her soul grew weak away from people so long she forgot how to speak she discovered freedom is an unspoken sound and the wall is a wall can be broken down found peace in the panthers she went on trial with one of the brothers she had a child with the foulness they would defeat her hoping she'd lose her seed held tight knowing the fight would live through the seed in need of a doctor from a stomach she bleed out of this situation a girl was received separated from her left her mother the revolution and lactate to attack hate cause federal estate was built for black fate her emptiness was filled with beatings and court dates they fabricated cases hoping one would stick and said she robbed places that didn't exist in the midst of threats on her life and being caged with Aryan whites through dark halls of hate she carried the light I wonder what would happen if that would have been me all of this just so we could be free yeah I often wonder what would happen if that would have been me all of this just so we could be free so dig it
Yeah. From North Carolina, her grandmother would bring news that she had a dream. Her dreams always meant what they needed them to mean. What made them real was the action in between. She dreamt that a Sada was free in their own house in Queens. The fact that they always came true was the thing. A Sada had been convicted of a murder she couldn't have done. Medical evidence shown she couldn't have shot the gun. It's time for her to see the sun from the other side. Time for a daughter to be by a mother's side. Time for this beautiful woman to become soft again. Time for her to breathe and not be told how it went. She untangled the chains and escaped the pain. How she broke out of prison, I could never explain. And even to this day, they try to get to her, but she's free with political asylum in Cuba. KTUH Underwriting, or sponsorship, is a way for your organization to get your message across to our listeners. If you're interested, our office number is 956-5288, or email office at ktuh.org. 大家好,多谢你收听KTUH-FM,红路路,最中意你的电台。Hello, Cantonese there to disrupt things. Here with Eric Carter Chu talking about his Afro-Asian identity in making sense of what's going on oh, in this world and the connective problems between anti-blackness and anti-Asian um, sentiments that are kind of rippling around uh, globally, I would say, because it, it is, has impacted the world's eyes and ears on this matter and making sense of uh, U.S. history for that matter. So, Eric, um, you know, I just wanted to share that I, I tried to go to that. There was a protest march or a peaceful march on Sunday on behalf of this Asian-American, anti-Asian um, violence. But there was a pretty small turnout. Mm. And I'm asking people all around me, like, why do you think there's such invisibility or lack of active support here when we see such movements coming out surfacing all over the mainland you know i didn't even know there was an event yeah. here, so that should be indicative of something and, yeah. and and i feel like i'm relatively plugged in here and i didn't i didn't hear about it mm. so this was news to me that there was a march this weekend so 
who do you know I mean it was the young professional I don't know I forget the name of it mm -hmm. but I got it on my Facebook right. page but why do you what, what did it feel like when you were there no I didn't go, oh, you I, didn't go. I, there was so much traffic I was driving there oh, and then right. I said shoot if I missed that window of time when they march uh, so I turned around it was sad That's I didn't right. get to there go there was a ton of traffic on yeah Sunday. what was I going on what, I don't know what that was about either I never figured so it that wasn't out just me, yeah. no, there was a ton of traffic on Sunday um but I, I, I'm also curious as to why the why the turnout was so low, and and I, I want to contrast that with what I did see in New York. I saw a Black and Asian Solidarity March there, oh. and that was that was. I mean, when I when I when I think about what the solution is in all this, I do believe that at the end of the day, that's what it is. And so, seeing examples of that is really motivating and really inspiring. But I'm curious why that's not happening. In Hawaii, or why why you didn't experience that this weekend? Well, you know, I I, I want to speak to, and and this plays into that stereotype too. But the fact that Asians tend to be more silent, mm. and and I'm not saying that for the people who were um, part of this event because that event doesn't mean that you have to be Asian to march, right? You know, obviously not. But I think speaking to the addressing this anti-Asian sentiment um, and, and why there is less support for it as opposed to Black Lives Matters, I feel like, you know, we shouldn't be comparing, first of all. It's mm -hmm. not like that. It's apples and oranges, right? It's not mm -hmm. like, okay, well, I support this and then I support that. But having said that, there is something about we can address Black Lives Matter because we know it's the core of our country's history. Mm -hmm. There's a lot on our backs that we are addressing that we live through day to day. And I recognize the need for that solidarity. And I'm trying to speak on behalf of the lack of participation in the anti-Asian uh, violence because I feel like Honestly, a lot of people do see us as perpetual foreigners, and that's something that how do we how do we change that and and do should we? And well, as a middle school <laughs> ethnic studies teacher, I'm always going to you know hope that we can educate ourselves and understand our history, right? And I think that that's something that I've noticed. Um, you know, there's just you know we we've there's all these there's been all these movements to have and influx of, of introduction of like black studies and Latino studies but in our schools but even as an ethnic studies teacher we don't talk about the Asian American experience very often hmm. and I'm really grateful that actually PBS put out their their documentary series for free last week in, in response to the, the Asian American right? series and, uh -huh. I, and I watched it with my students and hmm. I was like yeah these stories absolutely need to be told yeah. because again it's like once you start to um, see the similarities and see the commonalities between the immigrant experience that Asian Americans have had, I think we can have a lot more compassion and empathy for the struggle. But I think when when we look at where we know where stereotypically Asian Americans are in our society, we see the, the idea of the model minority, right? Like you said, the perpetual foreigner. And I think that there tends to maybe I'm, I'm assuming there tends to be a lack of, of sympathy there because of the you know the, the hierarchical experience that that Asians have in this country. I don't. I mean, that seems to be part of why there may not be as much sympathy. So you think that because Asians do play into that model minority um, myth and, and therefore getting more, I guess, integrated, if you will, which is kind of all, you know, a false truth right. as well. But the fact that they have seen some versions of success, that people aren't as empathetic to these recent crimes and it's and i think as you mentioned it's not about comparing yeah. experiences of oppression but i think if we recognize 
that historically Asians have been oppressed in this country, I think we'll understand that this is nothing new. Yeah. And a lot of people have been saying that, like, this is not new. Yeah, we just exactly. don't, we're not getting, we just don't have access to. It's not to, visible. Yeah, it's not visible. And so, you know, that narrative of, of oppression feels very new for some people. So maybe that's part of the reason why there's not uh, support from groups outside of, outside of Asians. I, yeah. And, and I think, you know, when I was talking to my, uh, my Asian guests last week is that they admitted that somehow culturally embedded in their being, even if they were born and bred here, is there is that sense of, I'm not going to express myself publicly if I don't need to. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean I don't have opinions or I don't have strength, but the Asian way of being is to be quiet. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to like Confucian values, right? To be that quite obedient person and to follow that patriarchal structure and all right. that blah, blah, blah. Uh, and especially for women to feel like their position is to be this submissive. And this goes back to the whole um, sex- sexualization, right? Mm-hmm. We're gonna be connecting it to that is why, why Asian women are depicted as these submissive, vulnerable um, individuals because of history, because of going back to the cultural history of of Asians Mm -hmm. and tying it to certain ways of being, you know, we don't see that because we don't really, like you say, try to learn where it comes from. I think that idea, like the the nail that sticks out gets hammered down. That's the, that tends to be somewhat of a dominant narrative for even even I'm finding the term Asian <laughs> to be problematic at this moment, but I think that that's that's part of it. But I think if we understand that there has been resistance, there has been movements, and there ha- you know there in general, you know, we just don't have an opportunity to learn about it in the ways that we should. And I think that's I think that's systemic. Um, I think if we had you know I think. I think it's important for our schools to teach about Asian American history now. And to know? integrate it into, right. like, how does um, African American history meet a- immigrant right. history? It's it's all connected. Right. right. You it's know? so interesting, because I, I know that you did your research on the South. And that's what's, you know, it's so complicated, because you have the ending of slavery, and then you have the introduction of Chinese there. And then where do they, where do they fit in that society? Yeah. Right? And it's like... It's so complicated. Yeah. I think the I think the study of, of Asian Americans, I think it helps us to understand race as a construct because of the ways that Asians are able to navigate through society. They're like they're not they don't they don't face the same oppressions as blacks. But I think at the end of the day we have such a similar experience mm-hmm. that if we start to unpack it, then it makes us it makes the whole argument of race just kind of fall on yeah. its face. Um, because I think a lot of people say, you know, that the idea of the model minority is like, why don't you all just lift up yourselves, as, you know, by your own bootstraps the way Asians have? And that's such a false narrative in itself. Yeah, yeah. Because going back to um, black history, and correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, you can be a, a an academic scholar or a high highly educated you know lawyer or something you walk on the street it doesn't guarantee protection over of violence because of the color of your skin right, right, right. and that is something Asians didn't really have before all this recent violence right, right. so it's really interesting so 
given that that's happening, I hope that we find more empathy. And, in, yeah. and and what's been troubling for me is that I've been trying to keep up, and I've also been trying to keep a distance because I think it's overwhelming right now. Mm-hmm. But I have been trying to keep keep you know keep my my ears and eyes open um, through the news and through social media. And and what I've been finding that's actually really troubling is the divisiveness that I've started to notice. There are um, there's like certain groups that I've noticed on Instagram, like pages that are supporting. Uh, the, you know the stop 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 Asian hate, right. but they're also starting to, you know, form a wedge, and it's like mm. we need to. That's not the answer, you yeah. know. And I think that that's a convenient way of, of looking at it, um, but it's not going to solve things. Are you? Um, I don't know how active you're on Facebook, but there is a page for um, Black and Asian Alliance, mm. and it's really interesting to see the things posted there because you have a lot of um, Afro-Asians like yourself who post their family photos. It's yeah, really yeah. cute. But then also addressing what it means um, in light of today's violences and, and how they reflect on this. So there's like a new awakening now of the yeah. connectivity and the problems that create that tension between African-Americans and Asians. Right. Right? right. Yeah. And I, you know, but I think going back to what I've noticed as well is, like I said, that that divisiveness. And I feel like there has been also another type of movement where it's like Asians, there has been, I've been noticing Asians that have become more vocal about these issues, but in a way that I feel is problematic because they're saying it's kind of like us against everyone else. Yeah, yeah. And so... So how would you say is a constructive way to kind of um, address it? I mean, I think... Or what's the wrong way to address it? I mean, I think the wrong way is to say, it's essentially what, what some of these pages are saying is like, we're being victimized here and we need to, you know, we need to respond. But in a way where it's like, you know, what, what I feel like is problematic is, is we're somehow better than everyone else. So let's, let's recognize that and then let's not try to, let's not try to have unity. Let's try to just, you know, in some ways embracing like Asian superiority. I've seen oh, really? those kind of, those kind of posts and it's like, that's not the solution, huh. you know? And so, um, what I, you know, like I said, what we've been talking about is I think at the end of the day, it's about unity, it's about solidarity, it's about understanding a shared form of oppression and responding to that. You know, and I think that being in the United States where this is just, essentially it's a, it's a huge social experiment. And, <laughs> and, you know, especially living in Hawaii where we know that the, you know, the hierarchies of race were manufactured for the benefit of the plantation society. It's the right. same thing that right, w- right. was occurring in the United States, right, in the, in the mainland. And if we're starting to, if we actually start to boil everything down, it's like, ultimately, it's it, it comes down to other things. There's like gender issues within there. There's class issues within there. Mm-hmm. But it's so easy for us to focus on race because that's the thing that we, you know, that's what this country was founded on. Yeah, but then when we do start calling out um, white supremacy, then it, it turns into like... Where does it go from there? I mean, what's going to be structurally changed right. if people do recognize that? What does that mean? Is that's going to dismantle? And that's the biggest fear, right, of this central white power to right. be dismantled. And that's that's. I think it, when we when we really get to thinking about solutions, it's like it's not enough for people to tear down statues. I think that's no. in a, in a symbolic victory. Um, it's not enough to you know have more representation in media. That's helping. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's like, let's deal with the systemic issues. Let's deal with the fact that 
this nation was built on slavery yeah. and genocide and the exploitation of immigrant labor. Like, let's talk about that. And it's taking so long and so many violent acts to get people to reckon with this and, truth. You know, and it's like us trying to, you know, essentially the crabs in the barrel. Like, let's let's tear each other down so we can lift ourselves up. Yeah. That's not the yeah. answer. Yeah. And so, you what know, about you know, we're talking about solidarity, but how do you feel about people who address? Um, you know, for the support for the anti-Asian movements is they feel like, okay, well, we helped, we participated in the Black Lives Matter, so why aren't you having our back? I think that's a... You know, that's, that's out there, right, right? Right, right. And so, and I think that that's, that's part of it, right? Like, yeah. I think once we start to recognize that we have to, we have to, we have to hold it down for everybody. Yep. You know, and I think that there are a lot of people that are, that have that perspective, but I'm seeing so much of the other as well right now, where it's like, let's just focus on us or, or, or also, you know, how can we support Black Lives Matter when some black people are perpetuating these crimes? That's another conversation that's happening. And, you know, I think, like I said, going back to how I feel about it is that those, those black people that are committing these crimes as well, I, I feel sorry for them as well, because it's like how, you know, them, in some ways subscribing to that na- that narrative of white supremacy or, or subscribing to the idea that Asians are somehow the problem in this, hmm. right? And so, again, it's it's like we need more education. We, mean, we need more awareness. We need more empathy. We need more compassion. And that's that's the way that we're going to get through this and we're going we're gonna to evolve from this. Yeah, yeah. You know, recently I was listening to the radio um, on, I think it was NPR, but, you know, they're, talking about a lynching of Chinese historically that people didn't know about mm. you know that happened in the late 1800s and mm-hmm. again you're talking about history and 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 excluding these types of facts that um, that go um, untold and 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 again a lack of material that gives us more perspective on how really our, our racial past has been kind of created and perpetuated is, is is very problematic i don't know how that means we need to change the whole entire kind of history education programs mm-hmm. integrating um ethnic studies with uh black history and hawaiian studies mm-hmm. i think it should be all kind of very interconnected it, you should, know? it shouldn't even be that we have to make a designation yeah on these. it's just american history and right. to fully embrace it it's like we're incorporating every voice and all these narratives and all these perspectives and I, you know, even calling it ethnic studies, it's like, no, like we're, this is. It's this, othering it, right? right? It's like. Right. And so the fabric of this country includes all of us. And so how do we shift it so that, you know, that's, that's a lot of the work that I do is like shifting our perspectives on how we teach history to avoid this dominant narrative. Yeah. And for me, I think it's um, through creating films and 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 spaces that offer a different story mm-hmm. so you don't have to address something directly and say okay I'm, I'm i'm socially conscious and aware and i wanted to say something to argue against what's happening but there are ways to tell stories that shift perspective yeah i i think it's it's hard right now because it's like what do you do you know it's it's part of it is some people protest but i don't think that's the answer for everybody yeah. i don't think that's the way that everybody affects change I feel very fortunate that when these things happen, I have a classroom to go unpack these things with my students. Yeah. And I don't, I, but I don't, I, you know, for, for everyone else, I, I, 
I, I want us to be able to come up with those things. I, I don't know. You know, it's like I've been struggling so much with the current, you know, circumstances. I just feel really grateful to have a classroom right now. But I don't know how I would feel if I didn't have that right now. Because yeah. you absolutely want to make a difference. Right. That is how it feels, right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, me being here talking about empathy and compassion, that's one thing. But also, how can we be action-oriented to really address these things systemically. Well, there's for sure activism in teaching. So, you know, and that's another thing that I want to shout out too is, you know, people in the education system, I know it's it's problematic, you know, under the institution, but at the same time, it's the space where we can hopefully create deeper thoughts. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I think teaching is inherently political. Yeah. <laughs> and so you know, it's it's impossible to avoid. And if you're if you're not doing that, that's if you're not addressing what's happening in the world, that's also a position. That's also you know intentional. And so, yes. And so I'm, I I really do make a point to you know like I, I don't necessarily lesson plan that often, especially now because so often I can just pull something from the news. Yeah. And it's like like we need to talk about this. Whatever I had planned last weekend. We're still going to talk about this right now. So Yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah. I like that. And I like to dig into silent spaces, like what's not being told in the story? What's yeah. missing? Right. And it's harder to think about what's missing right. than to address the obvious. So, you know, and I think, you know, going back to how we address it, I think there's part of it is like, yes, let's support black and Asian businesses. But that's that's. No, it doesn't change things. Right. So I think at the end of the day, it's like, how do we change things systemically? And it's not it's not by even the sort of ceremonial parts of like, let's elect these these, you know, politicians. It's like, how do we deconstruct this society, you know, and and change it systemically? But you have to really understand it before you can change it. Right. Right. And that takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of um, personal effort and community effort right and i think that's it it's it's going to require a lot of unity yeah you know because at the you know if we're always going to be divided then the system's not going to change yeah and you are you know you educate your kids and then they kids are the product of their environment and then if your mom or dad's racist you're going to be one too or how do you break that it's i mean i think that's part of it right the the idea that i mean i grew up people saying oh racism is just going to die as as older people in their old ways Uh -uh. oh my gosh there's a lot of younger more sophisticated and and when I hear about what kids are bringing to the classroom, it's like, oh, wow, like that's what's happening in your household. And, you know, and I think I work with most of Latino students. Yeah. And so I, me being Afro-Asian, it's, it's like I'm probably the only black or Chinese person that they're interacting with. I'm sure they don't even know what to do with you. <laughs> yeah, so, so I feel like I'm often trying to represent both of my, both of my, my, my backgrounds for them. Because I think that at the end of the day, that's really what it is. We do need solidarity amongst our own groups, but we also need this collective unity. Absolutely. With all of us. So, I think it's time for a song. What do yeah. you think? What do well, you want to do? I, I definitely want to lend it more to the more optimistic side. Okay. So one of my favorite groups of, that came out of 2020 is Salt. And I want to play this track called cool. Miracles.
The station that loves you is now simulcasting on Olelo Cable Channel 49, weekdays from 4 to 6 p.m. This is KTUH, radio for the people. The opinions and views heard may not be those of KTUH's licensees, management, nor staff. Back in the studio here with Eric Carter Chews talking about who the Afro Asian solidarity embodied by Eric, who is half African American and half Asian. We're talking about that, and you know, it's a funny place to be. It must be now torn between these conversations on racism against people based on color or ethnicity. And I just wanted to do a shout out to Yvonne, who just called in earlier to share that you know, as a fair skinned Latinx, you know, it's a really um, it, 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 it's, it can be potentially problematic because, you know, if you are uh, a certain ethnic background and you're judged based on the shade of your skin, if you're darker or lighter, you know, we don't think about how colorism plays into discrimination so much. And it's so prevalent. I mean, I think about it every single day. Okay, see, so that's my <laughs> privilege of not thinking about it in my ignorance. And so, yes, it yeah. is real. I think being in Hawaii, um, being you know, a darker skinned Afro-Asian, I think generally I'm, I'm perceived as being black mm. and um, I've had a lot of ex- in- instances and that's why the, the this is such a complex um, circumstance right now for me because I am empathizing with all of the you know all of the the hurt right now but then I've also experienced my own racism from Asians yeah and it's it's it, you know and so it's like you know we all have this opportunity to or that we you know there's oftentimes these, these times where colorism plays a role or we can all be racist in our ways or prejudiced or biased however you want to look at it um and i think that i do think that in a way being afro-asian gives me a really you know unique perspective because my life is always racialized as a result Mm. there's never a place where i necessarily fit in Hmm. and i think being from these two groups specifically when we're often considered so opposite um yeah you know it, it is it is really challenging but i think you know I, I i think that i hope that more afro asians are able to speak up right now because there's not a lot of us as far as I, I haven't met a lot in my life but i think we have such a unique experience when it comes to race in america because of how we're treated not only amongst people that are outside of our race but within our race and even within our own families um and so you know i mentioned how my my grandparents didn't attend my parents' wedding because they were um, not accepting my father as an African American. And you know, you know, I talked to you last time about you know, my first experience with race when I was four years old. When I was told I couldn't be in a commercial with my brothers, a McDonald's commercial with my brothers, because I had too dark of skin. Mm. And so that was my first introduction mm. to race. And so, you know, and it's 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 something that absolutely, you know has an impact on people's lives and i think that you know part of being in hawaii which was really relieving to me was when i left los angeles and i wasn't experiencing police brutality and the this sort of overt racism that i was experiencing there but then i also started to recognize more covert forms of racism here and 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 more subtle ways of people practicing anti-blackness here Mm -hmm. and i think that you know i think that we have a lot of work to do yeah. Is, you know, all of us, you know, and in terms of unpacking all of these isms, you know, and, and recognizing our privileges and recognizing yeah. how, you know, you know, what our positionality, how that affects the way that we see the world. Yeah. And I think if we start to understand that we're all struggling in some ways, 
um, but we also all have privileges, I think we can start to boil things down and, and, and really just start to see people as people. And I think that's a place to start. And, and you know, it's like when I, when I hear about these instances of, of violence, Hmm. I, you know, like I said, my mind is often going and thinking about the perpetrator because I'm like, where's your head at at that moment to think that that's not only okay, but that's an acceptable way of, of funneling your rage or your frustration. And, you know, I think that we are living in a, in a world that is, that is really hurting right now. And, you know, I think that the solution is not going to be by dividing ourselves or trying to, you know, you know, essentially you know offer more hate when you know bring up more hate when that's already happening i think we have to come from a place of love and i think we have to come from a place of compassion and you know i think that's what that's what we really need to be working on and you mentioned you know struggle i'm thinking you know i've been reading up on so many um articles write-ups and resources trying to make sense of all of this and and one of the articles was addressing like how much hurt do you have to have to have your voice heard mm. like is there some kind of um, a gauge <laughs> you know yeah. you know because that kind of goes back to that whole comparison which we shouldn't be doing between black lives matter and anti-asian movements is like okay i understand your pain your history your burden what about mine and then doesn't that reinforce that kind of like division by saying this is my pain but at the same time if we don't have these disturbing crimes that are kind of waking people up right this would not have exploded into conversation to address the problems we have to honor that pain and i i think the you know the uh, the oppressors are often oppressed themselves you know and i think that you know if we can reach a point where we're we're able to see the commonalities again within all of us. You know, I, 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 I really hope we can reach a point where we're not having these conversations about race anymore. Isn't that sad that we're here and it's so troubling to right. talk like, that we want to have solutions and it's, it's not that simple. I think, it's, it, I think what's really clear is that we're, we're definitely not past it. And as much as we think we've evolved past the 1950s and 1960s oh, and no. the civil rights movement solved everything, <laughs> we're so far from that. And end of the day, you know, we're mammals that are all living together on this floating rock in the middle of the universe. And if we're letting race divide us, like, we're, and it is, you know, it's, we're not seeing the bigger picture. And, you know, when I look at my documentary as I edit it, sometimes I look over, I don't know if you remember the scene, the riots, so there was a big riot in, the, in right. Augusta in 1970. Right. In fact, that was the largest riot in that um, time in that area, in that region. And people don't know about it again, because it was not publicized i don't know why it, i didn't hear about that until i saw your documentary and i was like how did i not know about this yeah. why did i not know it, about this because focus tends to f be framed with certain you know right. narratives but anyway i was just saying that when i when i rewatch that riot scene and if i had all of a sudden flipped on to another documentary or some news footage about rodney king or um anyone else in any different period in the last three or so decades it's the same it's the same you know that's the reason why my students and i have been studying the black panthers because it's like look at their 10-point plan from 1968 is anything actually different 50 years later 50 plus years later you know the first thing is like we want freedom we want an end to police brutality the same conversations <laughs> yeah. are happening today so it tells us that we need to be 
thinking about this systemically and it's not gonna we're not gonna fix this with little band-aids and you yeah. know um you know just the symbolic gestures we really do need to move past this and the only way we're gonna move past this i think is through actual equality and that's the conversation we're not having mm-hmm. you know it's like especially like at a place like hawaii i i love living in hawaii because i know that the sovereignty movement is still very much alive here and i know that when i'm here i'm like it's not abstract this is literally stolen land and if we start having those conversations about true equality it's going to tear everything down but it's like how are we going to get how are we going to move forward without it you know i don't i don't necessarily know the solution but it's like we have to acknowledge what happened right we have to acknowledge the effects that slavery had in this country mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we have to uh, you know acknowledge you know segregation all of these things that happened historically and not just to you know to black americans but to all groups yeah that's how we start to move forward but if we keep denying it and you know like when brushing it yeah people are trying to omit things from history books mm-hmm. we're not hearing about this this right in the 1970s in augusta we're not learning about asian american histories in our schools mm-hmm. then it makes it really easy to just focus on oh yeah we'll you know we'll we'll tear down a statue here or there or we'll yeah we'll, symbolic yeah these symbolic gestures yes. so you know, I think that's what I'm urging all of us to do is, is literally do the work. I think that, you know, we all have places where we can grow, where we can improve, where we can understand more. And it doesn't matter what your background is. Yeah. And I think once we start to do that, you know, you're you're, you're going to you're going to notice there's a lot of problems. There's a lot of things that if you to, dig, if you're yeah. willing to dig. Right. Because a lot of people aren't willing to dig exactly. because it's painful. It's, it's very painful. uncomfortable yeah. for me to recognize my privilege in a certain situation and, and maybe not. You know, I, it's easy to focus on on the harder narratives because it makes you feel like, oh, see, I, I have this burden of my history, right. you know, but we don't look at these things. And I also wanted to address the internalized racism that a lot of us have mm-hmm. that we don't know how to address or, or choose not to mm-hmm. because it's not visible. It's not. Right. And it's really hard to find it until you find some maybe some situation where you realize your opinion on something is based on something that was so implicit that you didn't realize it came from the lack of having to worry about it mm-hmm. you know yeah so we you know we we have a lot of work to do yeah yeah and so I, I i think at this point i'm just encouraging everyone to look into history look into what's happening contemporarily and try to get different viewpoints yep. you know perspective and and actually just talk to people and talk to them and make sh- check check in make sure they're okay and, and see them as real people right. don't don't to let just have your kind of novelty token friend of color that's just right. so my gosh unacceptable right. <laughs> and solidarity doesn't mean also that you put your name on some list you know mm. there's a lot of superficial ways of saying you're on board with how we're going to address anti-racism but we've got a long way to go like you said eric and um we're never going to end this conversation but let's hope that it becomes such a, a normative thing this knowledge that we don't um we we come beyond that and 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 speak of it in very progressive ways like just not having to travel back to the past with the problems but to move forward with new new histories i guess right right um anyway i i really appreciate your time here and unfortunately i have to step out of here but let's do one more great shout out for people who are listening appreciating our space here to address such important issues here at k2h yeah this is radiothon week and uh please we want you to help us uh as the station for student djs to keep being involved here 
to help them stay in school. The more funds raised, the more we can distribute to students, and your support means everything to the station. So please call, if you appreciate it, 808-956-5288. That's 956-5288, or you can donate online. And really, thank you for tuning in. I'm Crystal on Quok Talk, and Eric Carter Chu here is going to be uh, taking back the space, uh, coming back on the main station as um, DJ Black Box. And before I get go, uh, you are leaving back to California on Tuesday. What are your thoughts on, you know, having spent months here and then going back? And I know you are, I'm sure you're like an amazing teacher who's, who's just uh, affected and, and kind of made a difference in all your students' lives. What are some things you want to share about your experience just being here and your reckoning with where you sit and, the, the, you know, the troubling nature of being encompassing both this uh, black history and Asian history and and who you are as a person and, you know, a promoter of peace. What, what are some thoughts you have for us? I felt uh, there's a number of questions there. But, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, um, I just want to say that I feel really blessed and privileged to be here in Hawaii right now. And, you know, speaking about the COVID situation back at home, it was it's, it was really hard to be there. I felt a, a lot of paranoia and, and, you know, mental unrest being in California. So I'm not so excited to go yeah. back. I, I would love to be able to stay here. But I also think that, you know, going back and being with my students and, um, you know, continue to do the work there, I, I'm really excited for that. Um, I, you know, this may also be my last year of teaching. So we, you know, we talked about that, but I, yeah. I plan to go into, into mental health because I wanted to find another way of, of supporting com my community um, in a way that I think is, is, is going to be really impactful, hopefully, um, because For I think sure. especially being a male of color, um, you know, access and the stigma of mental health, you know, seeking mental health for us, I think if I have an opportunity to help there, I, I really want to take advantage of that. So I've been teaching for the last 10 years. And, wow, and has wanna, it been 10 years? Yeah, and I want to transition. You still look like a teenager. <laughs> I, I <wanna laughs> it's that Asian blood. I want to transition. It's the black and Asian blood. <laughs> it's true. It's so I, true. I want to transition into, into mental health after this. And, and I think, you know, I, I, I always talk about compassion and empathy because I do think that that's at the, at the root of what's going to heal us. So, yeah. Well, I think you... Uh, it's just a privilege to hear your thoughts and sharing um, and I wish you all the luck with your new journeys ahead um, and I know you are going to impact the world thank and you so much really do appreciate it I'm so glad we got connected through this space here at K2H amazing so the next track I'm going to play is The Hill We Climb and it's the poem by Amanda Gorman but Ooh. it's remixed by DJ Spen and I'm going to play just some house music to finish off the, the, the hour so those of you that are tuned in, I appreciate you for listening and, and hearing us talk about these issues. Um, but I also think music heals, so I want to yes. start with this poem. And uh, I also want to invite you to donate to Radiothon because we need all the help that we can get at this station. And right now we're currently focusing on the scholarship programs, but there's so much that can be that can help that you can do to help. K2H and the University of Hawaii with your support. So if you enjoy the music, if you enjoy the, the content that we have on this station, please, please, please support and please tell a friend. 956-5288. Give us a call. K2H FM Honolulu.
ourselves, where can we find light in this never-ending shade? The loss we carry, the sea we must wade, we braved the belly of the beast. We've learned that quiet isn't always peace, and the norms and notions of what just is, isn't always just is. And yet, the dawn is ours before we knew it, somehow we do it, somehow we've weathered and witnessed a nation that isn't broken, but simply unfinished. We, the successors of a country and a time where a skinny black girl descended from slaves and raised by a single mother can dream of becoming president only to find herself reciting for one. And yes, we are far from polished, far from pristine, but that doesn't mean we are striving to form a union that is perfect. We are striving to forge our union with purpose, to compose a country committed to all cultures, colors, characters, and conditions of man. And so we lift our gaze not to what stands between us, but what stands before us. We close the divide because we know to put our future first. We must first put our differences aside. We lay down our arms and can reach out our arms to one another. We seek harm to none and harmony for all. Let the globe, if nothing else, say this is true. That even as we grieved, we grew. That even as we hurt, we hoped. That even as we tired, we tried. That we'll forever be tied together, victorious. Not because we will never again know defeat, but because we will never again sow division. Scripture tells us to envision that everyone shall sit under their own vine and fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. If we're to look up to our own time, then victory won't lie in the blade, but in all the bridges we've made. That is the promised glade, the hill we climb, if only we dare it. Because being American is more than a pride we inherit. It's the past we step into and how we repair it. We've seen a force that would shatter our nation rather than share it. We destroy our country if it meant delaying democracy. And this effort very nearly succeeded. But while democracy can be periodically delayed, it can never be permanently defeated. In this truth, in this faith we trust, for while we have our eyes on the future, history has its eyes on us. This is the era of just redemption. We fear that I see its inception. We did not feel prepared to be the heirs of such a terrifying hour, but within it we found the power to author a new chapter, to offer hope and laughter to ourselves. So while once we asked, how could we possibly prevail over catastrophe? Now we assert, how could catastrophe possibly prevail over us? What was, but move to what shall be a country that is bruised, but whole, benevolent, bold, fierce, and free. We will not be turned around or interrupted by intimidation because we know our inaction and inertia. 
You are tuned to the sounds of Black Soap on KTUHF in Honolulu, the station that loves you. I do not know where you go When you go 
Yes, yes, this is Black Soap on K2H FM Honolulu. Time on the islands currently 5.32, and I'm going to be here for the next half hour. Uh, special shout out to Crystal from Quack Talk having me on the air today. Just wanted to play some music to take us into our next show. And uh, if you want to hear anything in the mix, give me a call 
Joined in the studio right now by none other than Smee from KTUH FM. What's up, man? Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm enjoying your your interview and I'm enjoying your music. I, yeah, I really like. I think I'm digging this. So yeah, so let's talk about what we're having right now. We're having a Radio Town 2021 Spring um, Spring Radio Town. So this year is very special because we are raising money for students. Uh, this is the first time ever we're doing this because um, we previously uh, re- do Radio Town for equipment, buying equipment, and for just the daily operation. And then this year, because of COVID, we noticed that a lot of students are struggling. These some some other students they really like. KDUH, but they have to quit school or quit KDUH because of financial burdens. So, and that is the, what the reason why we have this idea to have this scholarship. So, this is endowment scholarship. This year, we try to raise twenty-five thousand um, dollars, and um, and to to create this amazing endowment. So. Whenever I, I'm also a donor, so whenever I'm thinking of um, the money that I donate will last forever and will help the the next many generations of the future broadcasters, it just makes me really happy. So and this is really meaningful for me as a student too. So I want to ask you, when did you uh, join KTUH? Because you're alumni, right? Yeah, I've been here since I started at KTUH in 2004. Uh huh. 
So what, uh, what was your like first first impression of KTUH or like the culture of KTUH? So when I found out that the University of Hawaii had a radio station and that students could participate, I almost wanted to quit all my classes <laughs> and just be here full time because I thought, man, I get to play music on the radio that I really love. That's uh -huh. amazing. And you know, the opportunity for me has eventually evolved into me being like a touring DJ around uh -huh. the world. And I always think about how KTUH provided that first platform for me to feel like, whoa, I really love music and I think I can play music for people and therefore I'm going to become a DJ and I'm going to you know, do all the things that I ended up doing with music, but it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for this station. Uh-huh. And is, is this like the CDJ you, you learned like when you are uh, when you started at KTUH? I mean, I started, well, when I was here at KTUH, we were playing CDs, but, uh -huh. but at the same time, it was like I was playing my own personal music collection. Right. And I was able to put, you know, part of being a DJ is like educating people on music. Right. And right. so I was able to play music that was new to me, that uh -huh. I was deep, deeply beloved to me and play that and broadcast that to everyone in Hawaii at that uh -huh. time that was listening to KTUH and it was such an amazing feeling just to play music and to have people call in and be like oh I love this song or I've never heard this song and I think that that's just an extension of what I do now now I'm able to do it a little bit more creatively by right. DJing with turntables but you know at the, at the essence of it it's just like sharing music that I think is really important for people to hear right so what do you think of the scholarship if you you were the recipient of the scholarship uh your scholarship what, what what do you think of this this uh scholarship i mean i think this i idea. would i, I mean I, I i'm here and i i love this place as much as i do right. but if i were able to get compensated as well i would feel like I think I would feel even more indebted to what this station actually is and, and take it that much more seriously and that much more, and, and take on that much more responsibility of being here at the station. Right. I, I believe the scholarship uh, in particular is a need-based scholarship, so this is really to help the struggling students. So for me, I do not think that I will apply because I'm not personally for national struggle. So I think this really enabled the, the struggling students. They still keep involved with student media. Still learn you know the craft of cdj the craft of you know broadcasting student journalism uh, like crystal show right this is a really special venue for right. those uh voices to be heard uh, when you talk about like gender issue when you talk about racial issues those are very important and right. i think kdh provides this uh, special avenue um to to have the student voices to be heard it's so, uh, it's such a special station right it's such a special station so um so if you would like to support uh support us uh you can call 956-5288 and we have I believe four tiers of the four tiers of the premium. So for sixty dollars or more, you will receive a, a, a T-shirt, and you will also re receive a license plate. And for free drive, I think we may still have some free drive uh, available. So you will receive a towel uh, instead of the T-shirt and the license plate. And also, if you re if you donate hundred dollars or more, you you will receive a mask. A hundred percent, hundred percent cotton mask and a T-shirt, and for two hundred dollars or more, you will receive. Um, I'm just completely blank. Um, could you read it there? For two hundred dollars, you'll receive the tote bag, 
and yeah, a, a custom Radiothon t-shirt. T-shirt, and for three hundred dollars more, you will receive a glass and a coaster and a t-shirt. So we have right. this year the premium is really good. Those are all hundred uh, percent cotton, so they are very comfortable to wear. Um, so we I, we really hope that you can support uh, struggling students at KTUH. So so back to you, your music. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you so much, me, and I really appreciate you for having me here today. And you know, I think, like I said, K2H is such an important radio station, and we can't take it for granted because even you know, even though everybody has all these different means for listening to music and and being entertained these days, radio is so important, and it's it's here for you. We're here for you 24 hours a day. We're here for you on K2H.org. Right. We're here for you on the radio. We're always gonna. You're always gonna be able to tune in and hear something that's unique. That's not something that's streamable. In fact, a lot of the music that I play on my show, I personally play that knowing that you're not going to find it on Shazam. You're not going to be able to find it on Spotify because I still think there's spaces where people want to hear things that are just completely different and completely, you know, unique for them. So yeah, so that's the unique culture of KTUH. This really something that you will never hear elsewhere. And also, uh, because of this year's scholarship program, we really uh, recognize that a lot of the, the you know tuitions raised and then the the textbooks are so expensive like two hundred dollars three hundred dollars some of the students just simply cannot afford to have this luxury to you know be in the studio uh, do a show because of the the struggle right. that they face right now so and this is the reason why we're having the studio sound so if you would like to donate is five Nine five six five two eight eight again that the number is A O A nine five six five two eight eight. Thank you so much, me. And please, please, please call into the station and donate. It would make us so happy. There are volunteers standing by to take your call, and uh, you can donate any any amount, and uh, and we'll, it's all appreciated. Thank you so much, and we're gonna get back to the music. This is KTUH FM Honolulu.
stay tuned everyone up next we have off the air coming up on k2h it's gonna be my last song track is called week featuring jamie woods and uh super soulful super beautiful music appreciate all y'all for listening don't forget to donate to radiothon we could use all the help we could get and there's another week left to go so we really appreciate y'all for tuning in and also supporting k2h hawaii's only alternative i'll also be back here next monday from 12 to 3 p.m. be my last show in Hawaii for a while. So please tune in if you want to connect. I am I do have a lot of the shows up on SoundCloud. You can find me on Instagram and on SoundCloud. Name is It's Black Soap, ITS dot BLK Soap. And this is KQH FM Honolulu.
responsibility.